0: play Jesus, and Nicodemus and um, Joseph of are talking, and they're looking at the scriptures, and they're like, why not now? Why can't the Advent happen now? And it did. Jesus came. So why not now can the rapture happen? Why can't this be the generation? And it, and it just may well be. Amen. So this morning we're going to continue uh, in and finish what's considered the national section in the book of Romans as we really do an expository teaching on the whole chapter. Chapters 9 to 11 in Paul's epistle really discuss the plight of the Jewish people in a relationship with the Lord God, including their temporary, temporary rejections, reason for their rejection, and a national Israel itself will be redeemed. With Jehovah God and acknowledge their faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So, a time is coming when the whole nation of Israel, though there will only be a remnant, they will profess their faith in Christ as their Messiah. As we have seen, the Israelites had and have a zeal for God, but unfortunately, it's misguided in the sense that they have attempted to attain or obtain a righteousness of their own by keeping a law that they really could not. No one can keep the law. They failed to see that the law was just a guide to holy living and not a path to acquire or obtain a righteousness of their own. For no man, no woman is capable of keeping the whole law or acquiring a righteousness on our own. Amen. All have sinned and fall condemned. And so God, through his prophetic words, gives details about the suffering servant who is going to come and redeem them from the curse of sin and its consequences. Since no one can keep the law, and we all fall short, we need a savior. So all through the scriptures, through the prophetic messages, come the message of the savior. And as we go on, um, we'll see that not only the remnant of the Jews, but the Gentiles as well, will put their faith in this Messiah. And it will always be by what? By faith. People like Adam, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, the apostles, and even us are saved by faith in that message that has come forth from Genesis all the way through the Malachi. Amen? Amen? However, like many the Israelites, as, as a nation rejected the suffering servant and Savior and were blind to the message of salvation, but instead, they were clinging to their own self-sense of, of righteousness and clinging to the law as a way to righteousness, which is no way to receive righteousness at all. You are right there, Ron? Yeah. Coming up for the oil? Oh, I don't know. I thought they were glasses. I didn't want you to step on them. That's all right. My, I hope my eyes I'm not that small. Am I? There's right. <laughs> 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 <It's> glasses. <laughs> Sorry. So listen, as we back into the question, that's going to be answered in chapter 11 of the national section of the book of Romans is this. Will Israel be lost because of their rejection of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah? And is the nation totally cast off by God because of their rejection of Jesus Christ? Well, with this said, turn to Romans 11, and let's begin at verse 1, please. Romans 11, verse 1. Because right here, in the beginning of the chapter, Paul gives the answer to this question quite adamantly. Look at verse 1a. I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. In order to understand the basis of what Paul is saying here, we have to break down even this minute portion of Scripture. What he's saying is his people have not been cast off. And when he talks about his people, you have to understand that he's not just talking about the nation of Israel. He's talking about that remnant within Israel that are now his people. It's that remnant who have come by faith. But we, what we will see as we progress through the chapter is that at some point the whole nation of Israel will put their faith in Christ. So his people have not been cast off, because as we'll see in Paul's arguments, there always has been and always will be a group of Jewish people who believe by faith. Those who look to the cross and those who look back at the cross. Amen? Alright, and when he uses the term cast away, in the original language it means to be permanently severed, cast to the side, and to be totally finished with. And immediately, in the beginning of the verses of Scripture, Paul refers to the idea that the Lord has turned his back, has not turned his back on Israel forever. And he responds with, Have I turned my back on them? Have I cast them off? Certainly not. Okay? Adamant. And this is the strongest language that can be used in the Greek. It means absolutely no way in our vernacular, okay? What Paul does now, he acts like any good lawyer. He's going to give evidence to prove that there will always be a remnant in Israel. And look at his first point. Look at uh, verse 1b. For I also am an Israelite, the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. Listen, if God had permanently cast off the entire nation of Israel, then no Jew could or would be saved. If he entirely cast them off. Paul was a Jew in 9. He puts his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and he was a Jew. And a large majority of the early Christians were what? Jewish believers. Look at the apostles Levi, Paul, I mean, sorry, um, Peter. Go through the apostles. They were all Jews who put their faith in Christ. Amen? Therefore, God must not have turned away f- from them permanently or cast away the entire nation because Paul and others came from a Jewish background. And listen carefully. Paul, if such a man like Paul was a Christ-rejecting Jew and got saved, then there's no Jew that can't be saved. Amen? Do you hear me? Do you hear me? And I have a, point, a, a couple of points of practical application today. Listen to me. Even the hardest... And the most decadent of our relatives, friends, or acquaintances are not beyond the power of the gospel. Do you hear me? Who would have thought that Saul of Tarsus would come to faith in Christ and be a Christian? And Mike gave a testimony Wednesday night that the guy he worked with, who he's now great friends with, a brother in the Lord... Didn't want to witness to him because this guy is so hard he'll never come to faith. So thank God for Madeline's brother who shared the gospel with Mike. And we're blessed today through his ministry. Amen. So no one, no one is beyond. So when we witness to people, we can't judge that "Ah, he'll never come, she'll never come. No, no, no. There's no chain that can't be broken. Can harm chains. And Paul's second argument is found in verse 2a, where it states, God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Remember, this is the omniscient God. He has foreknowledge. He chose the nation of Israel to represent him. Amen? Church, before Israel was a nation, the Lord gave a sevenfold promise to Abraham. And guess what? He was going to fulfill it. He was going to fulfill it. That Israel has a special role in the in God's eternal plan. He had chosen to bestow his love on them in a unique and special way. And what he decides to do, he will accomplish. Do you hear me? The Lord called Israel from the loins of Abraham to be the best to be the beneficiary of tremendous tremendous blessings. And listen carefully. He will not, he does not change his mind, nor does he take back his promise. He is immutably faithful. Amen. And why is that Good for us here in the church today because the promises to us from God, we can stand on emphatically. That There's no way is he going to go back on the sense that, oh, you're forgiven today but cursed tomorrow. We are forgiven in Christ. There's no way he's going to go back on his word that the rapture's not going to happen. It is going to happen, and we are going to spend eternity in God's kingdom. That's the promises of his words and those we can stand on, just like the Israelites can stand They will be blessed by knowing the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Amen? And listen, despite Israel's being disobedient often, as we're told in Romans 10, and we know that Scripture is full of the Lord's promises that he will never forsake Israel completely. Listen to 1 Samuel 12, 22. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. And Jeremiah 30, 10 and 11, it reads this. So do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant. Do not be dismayed, Israel, declares the Lord. I will surely save you out of a distant place, your descendants from the land of their exile. Jacob will again have peace and security, and no one will make him afraid. I am with you, and I will save you, declares the Lord. Though I completely destroy all the nations among which I scatter you, I will not completely destroy you. I will discipline you, But only in due measure, I will not let you go entirely unpunished. And we can read through the Psalms and other portions of Scripture that God gives the assurance that there will be a time of discipline, that that he's going to call his people back to himself. Amen? Family, this is God's word, his unmutable faithfulness that guarantees the ultimate redemption and restoration of national Israel. Please go home and read the Minor Prophets. Disobedience, rejection, discipline, restoration. It happens through Micah, Nahum, Obadiah. Read about it. Israel will be restored and reconciled. Amen? Praise the Lord. So let's look at Paul's third argument, see that there will be a preserved remnant, for there has always been a preserved remnant of the Jewish people. Let's look at what it says, verses 2b to 6. Look at your Bibles or your phone, whatever you got out there. Well, don't you know what the scriptures say of Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed their knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant, according to the election of what? Grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works; otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer of grace; otherwise, work is no longer work. This piece of evidence is really taken from an incident in the prophet Elijah. You remember when the prophets of Baal they're doing their thing, and Elijah comes on the scene, and what he says to the prophets of Baal is, "All right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to see if Baal is God, or if we're going to see if Jehovah is God." And they they make two pits, two fire pits, and he says to the uh, prophets of Baal, cut up the, the animals, put them there, call on Baal, and see if he rains down fire from heaven. Then Elijah, and they, they're going for like a day, cutting themselves and doing the whole thing, and the prayers never answered because Baal's not a god. So then Elijah does it, douse it again, douse it a third time, and is smothered in water. He prays, and the Lord God sends down fire and sucks up the offering. And what happens after that is they kill the prophets of Baal. And all of a sudden, Elijah gets a message from good old Jezebel. If you're alive by tomorrow, it ain't going to happen. I'm going to kill you. And what does Elijah do? He bolts. He bolts, and he goes, and he hides, and he's praying to the Lord. And the Lord kind of rebukes him and says, he says, Oh, God, I'm the only one left who'll serve you. And he says, Baloney, I have 7,000 who have not bowed their knees to Baal. There was a remnant, and there will always be a remnant of people who have faith in the living God. And listen, it's good for us, too, to hear this. You know why? Come on, man. Don't you feel sometimes like we're the only ones out there who have faith in Christ? And all of a sudden, you're out, if you're working out in the world, you're like, oh, man, nobody believes. There's a remnant. There's a remnant of Christian brothers and sisters who are out there. And when we run into them, we praise the Lord. That tent right next to us, she knew Mike. Was Mike and rented from their school and she knew Lauren's father, so we got to talk with them. There's a remnant out there. When he met Pastor John from the Connect Church and their people were out there, there's a remnant that loved the Lord. So don't ever feel alone. No matter where you go, there's going to be a remnant of brothers and sisters that we can lean on amen but what I'm bringing out here for the for Elijah and this representation that God is showing us in his word there has always been and always been. Um, in verse 5 even so then at this just as there were faithful saved Jews in Elijah's day there are faithful and saved Jews today there's a remnant look around our church hi mark born again jew marty had something to do Born again Jew. Helena, born again Jew. We have them in our congregation. Brian Pelter is Jewish, born again Jew. Larry, born again Jew. So they're here. There's a remnant. If all Israel was rejected, then no Jewish people with their faith in the Messiah. Amen? So there's a remnant. So praise God. And finally, Paul's fourth and final argument rests on the fact that Israel, listen to me, is the only nation that God has foreknown and called to be his people. It wasn't the Edomites, it wasn't the Hittites, it wasn't the Philistine, sorry, it wasn't the Romans, Italians out there, it wasn't the Greeks, it wasn't the Irish. it was the Jews, the nation of Israel. Do you hear me? Praise the Lord. All right? They were called to be his people. Listen to Deuteronomy 7, 6 to 8. For you are a people, what? Holy to the Lord, your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to, his, to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Israel is the only Nation that has been called God's people. Amen? Family, because God foreknew before the creation of the world all things, he would call and set his love and special blessing on Israel forever. Do you hear me? Forever. He can never totally reject them. To do so would invalidate his divine promises, nullify his faithfulness, discredit his divine integrity, for God cannot lie. He said it it will happen. Amen. One of the greatest evidences that God has not totally rejected Israel is the continual remnant that we see throughout history. There have always been Jewish people since the time of Abraham and Israel being a nation. All, no matter how many times they've been um, tried to be exterminated, whether it's the Holocaust, the Crusades, whatever, there's always been and always will be a Jewish people. And that's what, why do you think Satan and the world try to destroy them? Because then they destroy God's promises. See, you didn't keep them as a nation forever. So the Lord has always kept them remnant for himself. They will never be exterminated. Amen? Yeah. And if you look, some of the same people that came from the descendants of Abraham, the Edomites uh, Edom- that came from, from Lot, they're gone. So, but we still have Jews in the world today, yes? And listen carefully. We could say that the nation... As a whole, is and has been under divine discipline because of the rejection of Messiah. So they're not rejected, but they have been being disciplined over the ages because they rejected Christ. Look at verses 7 to 10. What then? Has Israel retained what it seeks, but the elect have, um, has Israel not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded? Just as, as it was written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their back always. So what we see here is that the Jews who have exercised, have not exercised faith in Jesus Christ, they're blinded to the truth. They're blinded to the truth. Having rejected the righteousness of God that comes to salvation in Christ and trying to make, obtain or acquire righteousness on their own by keeping the law, they've fallen short. and they, As a discipline, they've been blinded by God to the truth of the scriptures, to the truth of, of the gospel. And what has happened is what we see in Romans 1. God has given them over to their own foolishness. Okay, keep trying to obtain righteousness by the law. You can't do it. But God gave them over to that. And they failed to redemptive the work that would bring forgiveness, reconciliation, and imputed righteousness. So by trying to keep the law on their own, they failed to receive the salvation from Christ, the reconciliation and restoration that God has for them. Listen to Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 3, 13-15. We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, But to this day, the same veil remains over the Old Covenant when it's read. It has not been removed because it can only be taken away in Christ. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their heart. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So what happens when they read the Old Testament and the law, they're bound by it. And they fail to see Messiah. But when people like Larry, when people like Mark and others, Helena, put their faith in Christ, the veil is removed. And they see the full counsel of God's word. It's like when Jesus is on the road to Emmaus and he shares through the scriptures and their hearts were burning. Our eyes are opened when we we come to faith in Christ and now we can understand the scriptures the holy spirit illuminates it to us illuminates the scriptures to us so when jews come to faith the veil of the law is lifted off make a point of application here listen when a person chooses not to believe the gospel they will walk in spiritual blindness and suffer the consequences do you hear me they'll suffer the consequences because god will never violate the free will of man. So if they choose to reject the truth of the gospel, then they'll walk in the flesh and experience all the temporal consequences and the eternal consequences. God will give them over to what they want if they don't want to believe. Amen? And what about us believers? Listen carefully. This is probably... Take this, if you take this with you today, listen carefully. It's important. If we are convicted by the Holy Spirit, if we read or taught a principle of God's word, but choose to be blind to that conviction, word, or teaching, then sooner or later, the Lord will give us over to our choice as an instrument of his discipline. And I can guarantee you, it's not going to be pretty. So please, when you hear a teaching, when you hear reading the word and the Holy Spirit convicts you, or a brother speaks to you about, you might be straying off the path, please don't be blinded to that truth. Come back to the word Get on your knees before God. Pray and do what the word of God says and avoid the foolish consequences that can go along with it. I'm just going to share something and I'm not going to go into names, but I counseled a couple. And the young lady, the Christians, but she wanted to walk away from the marriage. Why? Because they have been going out from such an early age and guess what? She felt she was missing out on because the grass looked greener on the other side. I can almost guarantee from God's word that sooner or later there will be consequences for that action. Instead of looking at what marriage is, let's reconcile. There was not adultery. There was not abuse. To work on that marriage and do it God's way. So when you hear God's principle, even though you think it might be impossible that you are married to a till the hun, whatever it is, all right. Or, but if there's nothing that's grounds for separation, then work it out. And that can go for any principle in God's word. If the Lord convicts us and shows us, work it out, do it God's way, and you'll be blessed. Amen. And I brought this out. Like when we tell people, yeah, I tithe. They're like, you do what? You give what? And Teresa and I, I'll tell you, 30 years we're almost saved, just doing it God's way, and he's always provided. Some, and let me tell you, I, as a new teacher, I didn't make a lot. Way back when I had two kids, and if I would have counted what was going out, what was coming in, tell me, I'm telling you, it wasn't going to add up. But God provided. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we do it God's way. I guess that's the bottom line. And as we go on, uh, there a trap and a stumbling block. Listen, he's making an analogy that a person's table is their place of eating and sustenance. And at the table of the ungodly, the self-righteous and denier of truth, it will become a snare and a trap. If you're taking in what the world is telling you or if you deny the truth of God's word, it's going to be a snare and trap in your life. Do you hear me? But if you come and eat at the table of his word and take in a sustenance of God's word, then it's going to be like taking from the bread of life. And it will keep sustenance and help us to mature spiritually. Amen. So we have to be careful what we're taking in. So for the Jews who considered God's word to be their sustenance, particularly the Torah and the Mishnah and those things that were commentaries on God's word, it became a snare and a trap because they lied on the law for their righteousness instead of seeing Jesus Christ as their Messiah, and it was a stumbling block for them. That's why it says in the scripture that Jesus is a stumbling block to those who don't believe. And listen, we can't be too critical of the Jewish people because they placed or placed... Their trust in the very thing that damns them. That's what they've done. Because listen, all false religions, whether it be pagan, cultic, unbiblical Christianity of every kind, counterfeit means of salvation, they are all leading to the same roads. And we see it today. That people follow the rituals, they follow the religious principles, and it's leading them straight to the gates of hell. Yesterday I'm gonna get it blew my mind, and I saved it for now. Actually blew my mind. Michelle and I were walking. I went to the tarot card tables. I witnessed the There's only one real way to know the future. It's Jesus Christ, and I kind of explained some things to them. And, you know, they took the tracks, and as I was walking away, the one went, Go, Jesus! You know, so they were mocking. But then we went to the second group, and I was with Michelle, and I gave the same spiel. And the girl goes, Well, I'm a born-again Christian. At that point, I didn't know what to say. I was like, "How about been a bit? I mean, I didn't know what to say, so I said, What you're doing is wrong. I said, It's demonic. But one thing Michelle told you, her face became downcast, because maybe there was conviction there. But where is she going? What is she hearing? That's, you think you can do tarot card readings and palm readings and call yourself a born-again Christian? Can light and darkness dwell together? Absolutely not. So it was scary. Scary. That And you know what? As uh, Mike and I were sharing, there are churches out there that promote that stuff. Psychic readings. The, all, it's insane. The apostate church is amongst us, Christian. So These people who think that they're going to uh, have their faith in Christ and and they're going to glory, it's scary. It's scary when you rely on something else besides the gospel of salvation. And the more someone feeds on falsehoods, listen to me, the more immune they will become to the truth of the gospel, including salvation, sanctification, and eternal life. If you keep feeding on the garbage, sooner or later, it's going to make you blind to what the truth is. All right? And hence, people to God, to consume the Word of God. The Word of God. Do you hear me? And be under expository biblical preaching and teaching. Because, listen, I have this. I mean, this is my own analogy. If you fed cake, it may be sweet from the moment, but it ain't going to help you grow physically. And sooner or later, it just won't help to sustain you physically. And if you feed on garbage in the Word... You won't grow in spiritual maturity and grow in Christ. You need to be in the word of God and the good preaching and teaching. And uh, my brother's going to to a church now. He finally found a really good Bible-believing church. And the guy says, you go home and you look in that word and you make sure that I'm telling you the truth. And that's what we all should do. Because we want to know. We want the real, get yourself a good biblical um, Bible that has the um, commentary and studying it, and you check everything out. You check everything out. I see Mike back when I'm preaching. He's always back there checking me out, so he makes me nervous, <laughs> all, right. all right? But we want to be in the Word of God, all righty? And listen, you can't eat once a week. You can't eat once a week. If you come here, just think, man, if you ate one day a week, what you would be like physically, all right? So you've got to take in the Word of God every day to grow spiritually, to, to grow to maturity. There's Bible studies. There's women's studies. There's men's fellowship. There's Wednesday night. There's Sunday morning. Be under the word. Grow in Christ. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's move on and look at uh, verses 11 to 14 and evaluate the purpose of God's plan in Israel's temporary rejection. Let's read Romans 11, uh, 11 to 14. I say then, have they stumbled that they should uh, fall? Certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, Salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world, listen to this, and their failure is riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. For I speak to you, Gentiles, and as much as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke the jealousy, those who are of my flesh, those are the Jews, and save some of them, praise God. Amen. What we see in this portion of Scripture is Paul is supplying two of the reasons or purposes for God's initial and temporary rejection of the Jews, all right? And um, it actually, by rejecting the Jews, listen, the first reason is so that the Gentiles, so we would come to salvation. So as the Jews don't believe, it opens the door for Gentile believers. And that really is the majority of us sitting here. There's only like five people who are, are really spir- are descendants of Abraham, but the rest of us are Gentiles. So by the Jews' rejection, it opens the door for us. Praise God. And that's biblical. This wasn't a backup plan like, oh boy, my people didn't accept me, I'll go to the other guys. That wasn't a backup plan. It was part of God's plan that all people would hear the gospel and come to salvation. Twelve three, three, it says, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you are a curse." ready? And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. That's one of the promises. All peoples means Jews and Gentiles. That's us. And 40, Isaiah nine six says this, Is it too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring those back to Israel that I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that myself. And Jesus prophetically spoke to the future of this future in Matthew 8, 11 and 12. It says this, I say to you that many will come from the east and west and will take their places at the feast of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness with will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's talking about those Jews who rejected Will be outside, but there'll be the Gentiles from who have come that will put their faith in Christ and be at the feast with those like Abraham who believe by faith. And Matthew twenty one forty-three says this therefore I tell you the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people so it will produce fruit. Look, in Israel's temporary rejection is so that Gentiles will come to faith. Amen. Do you hear me? You hear me, all right? And the second thing is this. Second reason so the, uh, is so that the unsaved Jews might be moved to jealousy, to be jealous that, oh, what do they have that we don't have? Why are they calling themselves the uh, descendants or disciples of Yahweh? That was our role, so that, that they stirs up a holy jealousy so that the Jews will come back to Christ, all right? And so what we see is God's ultimate purpose in setting Israel aside was not to drive his people further away, but to draw them to himself, Amen? The Lord desired that they would face their sin of pursuing a self-righteous way of salvation, reject that, be upset about being alienated from God, and come to faith in their Messiah, Jesus Christ, and be reconciled to him. Amen? So Paul writes this in verse 12. Look, it says, Now if their fall is riches for the world, and their failure riches for the Gentile, how much more their fullness. Listen, if the Lord... If the Lord used Israel's great transgression of rejecting Messiah to bless the Gentile world, how much world more will the world be blessed when the full number of Jews put their faith in Christ? Amen, Which will happen when, during the glorious millennium. When that time comes, the Lord will establish his kingdom on Earth, and guess where He's going to establish it? In Jerusalem, not in Washington. all right? In Jerusalem. That's where he's going to establish his kingdom and Israel will be restored and our people will become a faithful witness to the rest of the world. Amen. During the great tribulation period when 144,000 are saved and they go out and witness the gospel. Praise God. At this point now, look, and this is for us, Paul's going to turn his attention to the Gentile Christians with an admonition and a warning for them that's found in verses 15 to 24. Basically, in today's vernacular, Paul is saying this, Lose the attitude. That's what he's going to be telling the Gentile Christians. Lose the attitude because you're saved and you think that you got something one up on the Jewish, Jewish people, right? That's what he's telling us. This, and this idea that the Christians were going through only set the stage for years and years and years of anti-Semitism. Do you hear me? Throughout the church age, Jews have been called Christ killers, Christ haters, Even Vatican II called them Christ killers. They were responsible for the crucifixion of Christ. You want to know why? Because that denomination is not read in the Bible. Because it tells me in Acts 2 and Acts 4 that God the Father, it was his will that before the creation of time that the Lamb of God would come to redeem humankind through that sacrifice on the cross. So it was God's will. Redemption was never in the way of man. It was in the mind of God, and he fulfilled it. So there's no way to blame any one person or any group of people for the cross. Because there were Romans there, too. They did the nailing. All peoples were responsible. We were responsible for the crucifixion of Christ because without that, we would be lost. Amen? So we can't point our fingers at anybody. And so Paul addresses these Gentile Christians over this wrong attitude. He builds a case to show the importance of national Israel's future salvation. Paul elaborate on the fact that there will be a great worldwide blessing that will come as a result of national Israel's coming to salvation. Back in verse 11, Paul declared that the temporary rejection of national was designed to bring the gospel and salvation to the Gentile world. So now he's going to declare there's going to be even a greater blessing when all Israel gets saved. Again, look at verse 12. It says, Now if their fall is riches for the world and their failure are riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? And then 15, For they cast away, for if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life? from the dead. Amen. Amen. Now with this foundation, Paul's going to go on in verses 16 to 29 and all of what he talks about now in the rest of these verses really revolves around this idea. Okay? When, what Gentile Christians now enjoy was once reserved for the Jews and will be theirs in the future again. Amen? And so what Paul does is he uses two word pictures. I'm going to go through this fairly quickly. Um, the first illustration, look at it. It says in verse 16a, For if the first fruit is holy, the holy. So the whole lump, all Israel, and holy means consecrated, set apart, that all Israel is set apart to him. They are his nation. And then in the second illustration, he uses uh, in 16b, And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So in other words, if Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are considered set apart to me, so is the nation. So the Jews are set apart to him. Israel has been called and set apart by God and his work with that nation will not be complete until it bears the spiritual fruit that he intended it to do. And they will bear spiritual fruit because guess what? In verse 17, we see some of the many descendants of the patriarchs, they've passed, right? They passed over and uh, because of their unbelief in Jesus, but others will be grafted into the Abrahamic tree. They're going to come back. So it says the Gentiles were grafted in, but then there's going to be a point where the natural branches will be grafted back in, and that it is to come. Israel is a physical nation today, but at some point, they will be spiritually reborn, put their faith in Christ, and they'll be grafted back into the tree of life. Amen? So it says that if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root... And fatness of the olive tree. So it's saying, look, some of these branches were taken out. You Gentiles have been grafted in, but they're coming back. They're coming back. Amen. So look at verses 18 to 22. Do not boast against those branches, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say, branches were broken off, and I might be grafted in. Well, well said. Because of the unbelief of the Jews, were broken off. You stand by faith. I messed up here. All right, okay, I got it. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell. Severity, but toward you goodness. If you continue in this goodness, otherwise you will also be cut off. So saying if you start acting like them, getting haughty and puffed up. and self righteous, guess what? You're going to get it cut off too. Jewish believers are told not to be arrogant because of their new position alongside the believing Jews. In addition, Gentile Christians should remember their pagan days. Come on, guys, many of us walked in the world. And if we want to point fingers, we have to first go like this, because when you point one that way, three are pointing back at you. We were like that. So we have no reason to point at those who don't believe or judge those who are unbelievers because we were there one day. And we deserve the judgment of God. And God was merciful to us. And he will be merciful to the nation of Israel again. Amen? Praise God. We've been grafted in. And uh, we should be grateful. Listen, this is what I wrote. We should be grateful and loving towards our Jewish brethren for the promises and blessings that have come through them. That promise was made to Abraham. And it's been passed down to us because they rejected him for a while. So we should thank the Jewish people that we have the scriptures through them, that we have the promise through them. Amen? Praise the Lord. And listen, there's also a warning that if those who call themselves Christian go the same way and are led astray in the sense that they attempt to gain a righteousness of their own, we too will be cut off. And it's very sad That we can go to many denominational churches that say, follow this ritual, follow this practice, go through these sacraments, and they fail to see that true salvation comes by faith in Christ. They're living a lie. They're living a lie. But it is ours not to judge them, but to share the truth of God's word with them so that they get saved. Amen. Then Paul goes on and states how easily a true branch can be grafted back into the trunk of the olive tree, and he makes a phenomenal prophetic statement that is exactly what is going to happen. For God is determined to graft the Jews back into their own olive tree at a future time. But the grafting will not take place until the full number of Gentiles come in. Look at verse 25 and 26 again. I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the full numbers of the Gentiles come in. And so, ready? All Israel, family in the end times, following the rapture and during the great tribulation period, the apostate church is going to be cut off. They're not going. It's really sad that if that trumpet blows, you may go to many churches that still have a lot of people in them. Because there are Christian churches and there are so-called Christian churches that all of a sudden, there's a great video that Angelica sent where even in evangelical churches, there were still some people sitting in the pews or the aisles looking at each other like, what happened? It's because it's by faith alone. So what I have down here, please make sure you're in the ark. Please make sure that your faith is in Jesus Christ alone. So if that trumpet blows, you will not be left behind. Amen. Amen? Praise God. All right. so at this time national Israel, the natural branches will be then grafted back into the olive tree. All Israel must be taken to mean that the entire nation survives, that survives during God's judgment in the tribulation will be saved. We know that during the tribulation period it's going to be a great onslaught against the, the Jewish people and in Israel. But there's going to be a remnant within the walls that are not going to perish. And it says, those who survive, when the Christ comes back and they see him, it says they will look on him and mourn, but they will come to know that the Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, is their long-awaited Messiah. They will put their faith in him, and at that point, the whole nation will be saved. They will put their faith in Yeshua. Amen? Listen to Ezekiel 20, 30 to 38. As surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, I will reign over you with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with an outpoured wrath. I will bring you from the nations and gather you from the countries where you have been scattered with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and an outpoured wrath. I will bring you into the wilderness of the nations and there, face to face, I will execute judgment on you. And that's what's going to happen. As I judged your ancestors in the wilderness of the land of Egypt, so I will judge you, declares the sovereign Lord, I will take note of you as you pass under my rod, and I will bring you into the, um, into the bond of the covenant. I will purge you of those who revolt and rebel against me. Although I bring them out of the land where they are living, yet they will not enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Then listen to Zechariah 13, 8, and 9. In the whole land, declares the Lord, two-thirds will be struck down and perish, yet th- one-third will be left. This third I will put into the fire. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people and they will say, the Lord is our God. So two thirds will be struck down but there will be a remnant that will say, the Lord is our God. They will listen to the preaching of the 144,000. They'll listen to other converts. They'll listen to the angels and they will come to faith in Jehovah God. Amen? Praise the Lord. And family, there shouldn't be a shock or surprise because look at verses 26 and 27. God's word tells us this is going to happen. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. And how are sins taken away? By faith in Jesus Christ alone. So that remnant who believe will be forgiven of their sins. They will be born again. And as we learned in Sunday school. In Ezekiel it says there will be a physical restoration of Israel. And then there will be a spiritual restoration of Israel. Physical Israel has been restored. And we're waiting for that spiritual regeneration. Amen. It's coming. And like I shared in uh, Sunday school. I know I'm going on today. But if you look at chapters 35, 36, 37 of Ezekiel. It talks about the dry bones coming back. All right we're there. The dry bones are back. They're in the land. But when the breath of life enters them, that's when they will receive Christ and receive the Holy Spirit. And you know what happens after 37? 38 and 39. Tribulation, all that stuff. Guess what happens in between that? The rapture. It's close. It's close. We're in it. We're in, it. We're in those times. So who knows? Untie your shoes. All right. So listen how Paul ends up here. Listen to verses 28 to 32. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. They are irrevocable. He can't go back on his word. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience. Even so, these also have been disobedient and through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience that we might have mercy on them all. Amen? Praise God. So what can we conclude from what we've heard today? At that, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up behind me. What can we conclude from the things we heard? First of all, that whether you're Jew or Gentile, salvation is bestowed upon us because of God's mercy. God's mercy. It's not by human merit or works. It is an expression of faith in Christ alone. Amen? But listen, in order for sinners to to receive salvation, we first have to recognize that we've fallen short of God's glory, that we can't do anything to receive righteousness. We have to realize that we have fallen short, and we need the salvation grace that God has given us through faith in Christ. And look, God's ultimate purpose for humankind is to have mercy on both Jew and Gentile, and reconcile a remnant to himself. Amen? And Paul ends chapter 11 with the Stoxology. Listen to it. Read with me. Don't pay attention to those guys. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. All right? Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord who has become his counselor? Or who is the first given to him and that should be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him will all things to him be glory and honor forever. Family, God's ways are above all ways. God's thoughts are above our thoughts. But his word and through his son, he's revealed his plan of salvation and reconciliation, both for Gentile and Jew. Do you hear me? And it will be Gentile and born-again Jew who are the spiritual seeds of Abraham who will rejoice in the heavenly kingdom along with our Savior. And as we look at this plan and its fulfillment, we can only say, as Paul says, to him be glory and honor forever. As a result of his grace, for those who believe, we are saved. We are saved. And everybody knows what that means, that we are saved. We are saved from the consequence of sin, saved from hell, and we'll be in God's kingdom forever. And as such, we understand what we were, What we deserve. Do you realize? And yet we are part of the remnant. Part of the remnant. You girls can come out. I don't bite. We're part of the remnant. Think about it. There have been billions upon billions upon billions that have trod this earth. And we are part of a remnant that is saved. We should be rejoicing out of our socks. Why me, Lord? Why have you allowed me to come into this covenant of redemption that all these billions that are going to perish? Because that road is wide. The road to Christ is narrow. And we have been blessed to know it and understand it. And I've invited the worship team to come up because I want to thank God and rejoice in him that we're part of the remnant. And listen, there will always be the Jew and the Gentile as we come together in glory and rejoice in Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus our Messiah, and they will rejoice also. So again, as you've heard me say up there, there is no room in the hearts of a Christian for anti-Semitism. We must witness to the Jew and Gentile alike and then rejoice over the blessing we have. Amen? So at this point, I'm just going to ask the worship team to play a couple of songs. Let's stand and really rejoice in that we're part of the remnant we're part of those that, drug that can make you feel better than that. Nothing can make you feel better than that. Amen? Father, bless our time of worship. We thank you that in Christ, Father, we are part of the remnant, the redeemed. We thank you, Lord, that from Abraham forward, there's always been a remnant of Jews that have believed, and we know according to your word that there will come a time when national Israel will call you Lord and Savior, and we will rejoice with our brethren in heaven forever throughout your kingdom, my God. We will be one people. There will be no Pentecostal. There will be no Baptist. There will be no Jew. There will be Christians who worship you, and we'll have a new name, and we will spend time in eternity with you, praising you and thanking you. Thank you that we are part of the remnant today, my God. And help us, Lord. Give us the words to speak to your people, that the veil will be lifted from their eyes, even as I meet with Kenny this week, my God, this Jewish man that I met through picking up the bagels, that I can share with him the truth, and he will come to salvation faith. A child of Abraham, Lord. And I just thank you, my God. I thank you, my God. Bless the rest of the service, we pray. Bless the time of Bagel Fellowship in the back. And we just thank you. Amen. Go ahead, Sal.